So we have been looking at the book of Acts from chapter number one, and we ended on, we of, unfortunately, oh well, fortunately we didn't have an um, Acts series on Sunday. That's the reason why I'm going to stretch it, because we're going to finish this thing on Thursday. I'm traveling to America tomorrow, but I'm going to be teaching Acts from the States tomorrow on Thursday. So we're going to finish this stuff. All right. All right. So today we want to look at chapters 23, 24, I think 20, chapter 24. 25, 20, yes, 23, 23, 24, 25, I believe, okay? 23, 24, 25. That's what we're going to be doing today. And hopefully, by the grace of God, we will do well. We will do well. We will do very well today by God's grace. All right, so now that you are here already. Okay, so let us roll. Lord, we thank you for your word. The entrance of your word gives light and understanding. We pray that as we hear your word that we are blessed. In the name of the Lord Jesus, that you receive all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last time we ended in chapter number 22, I believe, and we'll be doing chapter number 23, 24, 25 now, okay? Okay, so who can who can confidently tell me how we ended chapter number 22 the last time? Chapter 22 the last time, who can confidently tell me need to... Yeah. Who can confidently tell me how we ended chapter 22 the last time? Just opening my Bible as well to chapter 22 of the book of Acts. All right. Who can tell me how we ended the last time? Good evening, everybody. Chapter 22. Chapter 22. Chapter 22. How did we end chapter 22 the last time? Chapter 22. Yes. Here we go. I need my phone on here and I need to... All right, chapter 22. Who can summarize? Who can summarize for us how we ended chapter 22 the last time? Okay, join us. The Sanhedrin Wahala. I love it. The Sanhedrin Wahala. The Jerusalem mob. These guys are crazy guys. All right. So let's just see by way of um, review. If we can see that in chapter number 22, how let's see how it ended. All right, so I read from verse 22, chapter number 22. I read from verse 22. Let's see if we can get that up. Chapter 22, and I read from verse 22. All right, okay, let's make it smaller. Here we go. There you go. All right, chapter number 22, verse 22. And they listened to him until the word, the Bible, they listened to Paul until his word, until this word. And then they raised their voices and said, Away with such fellow from the earth, for it's not fit to leave. That's what they said, for it's not fit to leave. Then as they cried out and tore up their clothes and threw dust into the air, the commander that you might find out later we called, you know, um, Claudius Lysias, Lysias or Lysias, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks. These guys wanted to kill Paul. And the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks. That's what we've read, into the barracks. And said, that he should be examined under scourging, so that he might know why they, should, they, they shouted against him in verse 25. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion, now a centurion is lower than a commander. Paul said to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is Roman and uncondemned? Like I told you before, 
Rome was a free state. It means that you cannot penalize, you cannot publicly humiliate someone without trial. So Paul was saying to them, these guys are Jews. They're trying to kill me. You want to scourge me? And do you want to do it to a Roman citizen? Anyone who does this without trial, anyone who penalizes without trial is, um, is a damnable penalty. The Bible says in, the, uh, in verse 26, and when the centurion heard it, he went and told the commander, centurion told the commander, saying, take care of what you do, for this man is Roman. We read of Paul, the, Paul of Tarsus in, uh, in, in Cilicia. Then the commander came and said to him, tell me, are you Roman? He said, yes. The commander answered, with the last summer I obtained my citizenship. And Paul said, I was born a citizen. Then immediately, those who were about to examine him withdrew from him and the commander was also afraid and found out that he was a Roman because he had bound him. He was afraid. In verse 30, right? That's the last one, I believe. Bible says the next day, the next day because he wanted to know for certain why he was accused by the Jews, he released him from his bonds. Now, this commander did not want Wahala. So he released Paul from his bonds and commanded the chief priests and all the council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. So Paul had been brought down before the council and Paul had been set before the council. Now Paul would speak to the people. Right, so let's go to chapter number 23. Let's start chapter number 23. If you're there, I want to make sure that it's, it's big enough for you to... Okay. Chapter number 23. I want to make sure that it's big enough for us to roll all right we are good to roll chapter number 23 okay all right then paul looking earnestly at the council said men and brethren he addressed men and brethren so paul says men where's my pen let me charge let me charge my pen because i'm on the right paul says men and brethren i have lived in good in all good country now paul was released by the commander or unbounded by the commander and, and the commander Claudius, okay? Just in case you want to find out his name. His name is called Claudius, okay? Where's my stuff? His name is called Claudius. C-L-A-U-D-I-U-S. It's called Claudius, L-Y-S-I-A-S. You may not see this, but that's what it is, Claudius. All right. I know you didn't see that. Let me make sure that this is on my screen and my stuff is working. All right. That's his name. This is the name of the commander. All right. The name of the commander is called Claudius Lysias. You're going to see that in a moment. Okay. So what he has done is unbounded Paul unbounded and present Paul before the council now Paul was going to speak to the council now okay let's see what Paul will say to the council right let's go to uh, that opening scripture again then Paul looking earnestly at the council said that's what Paul said that's his name again Claudius that said men and brethren I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day and the high priest Ananias. Now the high priest Ananias. Now this is a whole different high priest. Remember the last time? If you can also look at the screen. Remember the last time I told you that there was a high priest called Anas? A-N-N-A-S. Anas and Caiaphas. 
Now, Anas was the real guy. But Caiaphas was the one that Rome put there. But there's another one now called Ananias. Another one again. So you have, this is another high priest called Ananias. So the Bible says, uh, one second. The Bible says, all right, and Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. So when Paul was speaking, the high priest commanded those who stood by Paul to strike Paul in the mouth. And the Bible says, then, the, then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. Now, Paul had no clue he was the high priest. But Paul says, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. For you seek to judge me according to the law, and you do not command me and, 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 and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? In the law, Deuteronomy chapter number 25, verse number 1, you cannot lay hands on someone that is under trial. That's what he says. So Paul had no clue who he was. This guy said, strike Paul. But the Bible says in verses number 4, and those who stood by him say, do you revile God's high priest? Then Paul said, I did not know, brethren. Paul says, I did not know, brethren, that he was a high priest, for it's written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people, Paul was saying to them. But when Paul perceived that one part was Sadducees and the other part was Pharisees, he cried out in the council. Remember, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were not really friends. They were enemies until Jesus came into the scenes. When Jesus came, they became aligned. There were things that the Pharisees believe and the Sadducees do not believe. There were things the Sadducees believe and the Pharisees do not believe. And you're going to find the two things here that they do not believe. Okay? The Pharisees believe in the supernatural and they believe in resurrection. The Sadducees do not believe in supernatural and they don't believe in the resurrection. When Paul realized that there were Pharisees and Sadducees in the crowd, it cried out the more. It's very important to know that Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. You see it in Hebrews and in Philippians as well. So Paul realizes that there were Pharisees and Sadducees in the camp. And what did Paul do? Bible says he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee and a son of a Pharisee. Concerning the hope and the resurrection of the dead, I have been judged. So what Paul is saying, Paul is saying, These guys are judging me because I believe in resurrection. And we realize that the Pharisees believe in resurrection, but the Sadducees don't believe in resurrection. So Paul wanted to break contention between these two sects or this camp. Paul cried out and said, I am a Pharisee. I have been judged because I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. One thing you must understand, the book of Acts is always about the resurrection of Jesus. The book of Acts is not the act of the, apost the, act of the apostles. It's not the act of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts will be Paul's or Luke's definitive statement of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. All through Acts, Paul always spoke about the resurrection of Jesus. The central theme of Acts is not the Holy Spirit. The central theme of Acts is not the apostles. The central theme of Acts is the resurrection of Jesus. So it is not actually the act of the apostles. It's not act of the Holy Spirit. It is the act of Jesus through his spirit declaring his resurrection. All right, let's keep going. The Bible says... Uh, in verse 7, and when he had said this, a dissension rose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. That's what Paul wanted. Paul wanted the assembly to be divided. The Bible says that when Paul made this statement, that I am a Pharisee, my father is a Pharisee, the Bible says that there was great commotion and dissension in that congregation. And the Bible says that when the Pharisees and Sadducees heard this, there was division. For the Sadducees say, the Sadducees say, there is no resurrection and there is no angel or the spirit. 
So the Sadducees do not believe in resurrection and do not believe in the supernatural. All right. Write that down. Look at it on my screen. The Sadducees do not believe in, number one, they don't believe in resurrection. And number two, they don't believe in the supernatural. Make you wait. All right. Sorry, guys. They don't believe in the supernatural. There's the Pharisees. The Sadducees don't believe in that. But the Pharisees believe in that. Are you following me? The Sadducees do not believe in that. But the Pharisees believe in that. Let's roll quickly. The Bible says, uh, For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, there is no spirit. But the Pharisees confess both. So what makes the Pharisees the Pharisees is that the Pharisees believe in the resurrection and that's how Paul was a Pharisee. And the Pharisees also believe in the supernatural, which is the angels and the spirit. Angels and spirit. Okay? Angels and spirit. Let's keep going. Then the Bible says, I guess I'm about to make this a bit bolder. So you can see, you can see well. Okay, I bring it here. The Bible says, "For the for the Sadducees, but the Pharisees confess both." Then the Bible says, "There arose a loud outcry, and the scribes of the Pharisees' party arose and protested, saying, "We'll find no evil in this man." The same people, the same people who had said that Paul was evil, now they say they find no evil in this man. Why? Because it's a Pharisee declaring the resurrection. But if a spirit of an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. Let us not fight against God. So these guys who was actually trying to keep Paul, now are saying to Paul, it might be true. The Bible says that when there arose the great dissension, the commander, fearing that Paul might be put into pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take Paul by force among them and bring him in the bar. So Paul was in the midst Paul was in the midst. I could draw this down. Look at this now. Paul, this is the this is the camp. This is the Pharisees, right? And the Sadducees. And Paul was in the midst of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Bible says that what did he do? The commander asked that Paul be pulled out of the camp. Why? Because they will kill Paul. If Paul dies in his hands, he will be penalized by death. Because he was the commander who would have left a Roman soldier torn by the Jews. So what did he do? Claudius Lysias. He commanded the God that, that Paul be brought from the crowd. The Bible says, put among them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him from among them and bring him into the barracks. All right, so Paul had been brought back to the barrack. Bible says in verse 11, But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified of me in Jerusalem, you also will bear witness at Rome. Now, that's a problem here. What was the problem? The problem was that all the prophets prophesied that Paul will be bound in Jerusalem and killed. Apollos had come in from Jerusalem and had come to Caesarea, where the uh, Caesarea, Matima, and said to Paul, Who has this belt? I see the owner of this belt will be bound and killed in Jerusalem. 
That's a problem with that now. Because now God is saying to Paul, be of good cheer. For as you've testified of me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear with this at Rome. Oh. So Paul will not die in Jerusalem. Why? Because God has said Rome. So does that mean that the prophets lied? Does that mean that God changed the narrative? Or does it mean that the prophets do not have the full picture? Does it mean that it could be possible that Apollos did not see Paul die, but saw Paul bound? It could be that we see in parts and prophesy in parts. How come Apollos say that Paul would be bound? How come everyone said that Paul would die in Jerusalem? But God is saying to Paul now that you're going to go to Rome. So Paul, you may not die in Jerusalem after all. What does that seem to be in prophecy? It means that we don't have the complete perfect picture in prophecy. And I do not believe really that everyone who prophesied to Paul gave for the full, Paul the full picture. I do believe, believe really that they, they heard from the Lord, but they may not have heard the full picture. We see in part. And I truly believe that these prophets had prophesied in part. These people had seen in part. These people did not have the full picture. Because God will say to Paul, hold on. You will testify also with me in Rome. That's what it says. He will bear witnesses at Rome, which therefore means that it is possible that we see, but we see in pixels. We don't have the full picture. So what Apollo see was Paul being bound. What Apollo did not see was Paul dead in Jerusalem. Right? Let's keep reading. Bible says, so what am I trying to say? That we don't have a full picture of prophecy. God only shows us what we feel we can handle or shows us what we think we can steward. Bible says, and when it was day, some of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they kill Paul. My God, these guys are serious. Now, back in verse 13, the Bible says, Now, sorry, now there were more than 40. There were more than 40 who had formed this conspiracy. There was a conspiracy group. Alright? This conspiracy group, 40 people. And they came to the chief priests and soldiers, and Ananias and the soldiers and elders, and said, We have bound ourselves under the great oath, under a great oath. So these 40 guys decided to bind themselves under a great oath. And we will eat nothing until we have killed Paul. What a level of violence it was. And you must understand that Paul was this violent as well. You must understand Paul's oath, or Paul's oath that he took before the law was not from emotion, it was from violence. It was it was a violent man. These guys we are violent people. Violent. Now you therefore, together with the council, suggest to the commander. So they say to the elders and the Sanhedrin, suggest to the commander, Claudius Lysias, suggest to the commander that he brought down Paul. So suggest to the commander that he be brought down to you. Okay? Tomorrow. As though you are going to make further inquiries concerning him. But we are ready to kill him before he comes near. So these conspiracy guys, this group of violent believers, group of vexed believers, they say to their elders, call the commander and say to the commander to bring Paul. It will look like you are making further inquiries. But when Paul comes down, we'll lay ambush and we'll kill him. We want to kill Paul. Our mandate is to kill Paul. Mm. We want to kill Paul because Paul is an infidel or... Because Paul is blaspheming. Does that look like a, a certain kind of religion? Again, let's keep reading. The Bible says in verse 16, So when Paul's sister, this is where you find Paul's sister. Paul had a sister. But this is Paul's sister's son. Paul's nephew. Really thirsty. Now, take note of this. I will show you an angelic visitation. Of a supernatural occurrence. 
The Bible says so. Remember, 40 guys, we are having a conversation about how they're going to kill Paul. So when Paul's sister's son, Paul's sister's son, Paul's nephew, a child, a Paul's nephew, right? Heard of their ambush. The question is this. How did Paul's sister's son have so much information about this conspiracy? The Bible says, head of their ambush. He went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Now, this doesn't make sense because Paul is bound in the barrack. Or Paul is in the barrack, not bound because of this thing Roman. Paul is in the barrack. Paul's sister's son, who is a child, will go into the barrack. It's interesting. Will go into the barrack and find Paul and told Paul. And Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, Take this young man to the commander. This young child is revealing to Paul what these 40 conspiracy theorists <laughs> are saying. Now, he's so young to have all this information. The Bible says, take this young man to the commander, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the commander and said, Paul the prisoner called me to him and asked me to bring this young man to you. He has something to say to you. Hold on. It's a child. But you're going to see in a moment how this child had the full revelation of their conspiration or conspiracy. Bible says, then the commander said to him, no, then the commander what took him by the hand. To show you that it's really a child, it's a kid. The commander took the child by the hand. Remember this, if you are like from, from 13 years old in Judaism, you're like a man. You're considered almost like a man. If you're 13, you're like a man. If you're 14, you're a man. Actually, Timothy was 16 when Paul found him as a young man. So if you are 13 years old in, Jude in Jewish, or 12 actually, if you're 12 years old, in the Jewish practice, you are like considered a man. This guy has to be less than 12 to be held in his hands. Are you hearing me? The Bible says the commander took him by the hand. So this guy should be nothing less than seven or six years old. Or maybe four. He's so young to report this incident. Not even his mother, poor sister. This young man ran to the barracks himself. Found Paul himself. Revealed the information himself. The Bible says then the commander took him by the hand and went outside and asked him privately, what is it you have to tell me? And he said, the Jews, see what the child will say. The Jews have agreed to ask that you bring Paul down to the council. When these 40 guys conspired, they didn't conspire publicly. They had to have conspired in a little room, in a private space, in the secret section of a private corner or private chamber. How this guy was able, this young kid was able to get this information. So what it says from verse number 20, it says, the Jews have agreed to ask that you bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire more fully about him. But do not eat, it's a child, say do not eat to them. This has to be God speaking through a child. Bible says, if you look at this, you look at this verse, in verse 16, so when Paul says that he heard, he heard of the ambush, now, we don't know how he heard. What I heard by way of prophecy, what I heard was there, I do not know. But I will tell you in my spirit, this is just me, this young man could not have been in the midst of 40 people conspiring to kill Paul. This young man cannot be amongst 40 men who are conspiring. You don't say that in the, in the midst of a child. 
In fact, these conspirators or conspirators or conspiracy theorists, they would have gathered in a private space or private corner. Why? Because they know that in, even in the law, Deuteronomy chapter number 25, verse number 1, you cannot kill a man until he's tried. So how did this young child hear these things? Could it be prophecy? Could it be an angelic visitation? We do not know. But I do not personally believe that this young guy has heard them publicly because he's not invited to that space. It couldn't have been there. Maybe there, I don't know, but it couldn't have been there. But the Bible says now in verse number 21. That's what it says. But do not yield to them for more than 40 years. How can a child know the numbers? He said, for more than 40 of them lie in wait for him. Men who have bound themselves by an oath. How did this child know this stuff? And they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. This is a child. He's so small that the Bible says that the commander in verse 19 took him by the hands and went aside and asked him privately. Did the Bible say and kill Paul and now they are ready waiting for the promise from you. Hold on one moment. This couldn't be a child. If this is a child, this is a child that has some level of revelation or God has spoken. We don't have a clue. But for the child to gather this level of information, for the child to know this level of information, it would have been a first-hand express word of the Lord. God would have spoken because God speaks to babies. Yes, that's true. God speaks to babies. From the mouth of babes, God speaks to children. And that's the reason why it teaches us as well. Do not despise words from your children. You never know when God is speaking through them. Do not despise the words from your children. You never know when God might be telling them to tell you not to look, uh, quit your job. Or telling you to speak to someone. Or telling you not to go somewhere. God can speak through children also. The Bible says that this child was so small, but have so much information, that I am even asking, how did he know this? For, but this child gave them so much information. How did he know where Paul was? How did he even know Paul? I know Paul is his uncle, but Paul had not been to that region for a long time. And Paul had been doing the missionary journey all this while. Paul has been in Ephesus for like three years. And, and how, did he, how did Paul even know his nephew? How did he nephew know Paul? This guy was so small that he had information. What am I trying to say? That I believe there was an angelic assistance here or there was a prophetic word this young man had. Maybe a dream, maybe a vision, maybe a trance. The scripture is not clear about that. But I just don't get it how a child of that age was able to unveil these secrets of these guys. Does that make sense? And this is one of the reasons why we believe that Paul was not killed in Jerusalem. How do I know that? In prophecy, that's what you called uh, coordinates. What Apollos did not see was a young man interrupting the system. Apollos saw Paul bound. Apollos saw Paul in Jerusalem. But Apollos did not see this young man. Because guess what? If Apollos had seen this young man interrupting the plans of the Jews, Apollos would have known that Paul would escape the Jerusalem mob. So God, gave, God could have given Apollos a certain vision that Paul would be banned. But, Paul, but God also would have given another prophet that this young man would interrupt the system. Does that make sense? So we hear in part, we see in part. What Apollo did not see, that a young man would interrupt the system. What are coordinates? Coordinates are prophetic timelines that God sets to initiate how things will change within a prophetic spectrum. For instance, Apollos thought Paul will be bound in Jerusalem and he will be killed. So Paul, see what Paul did? Let's go to our stuff here. Now, see what Apollos did. Apollos... So that Paul will be bound and then 
killed. That was the prophecy he had. But what Apollo did not realize that between the binding and the killing, there was the middle guy called the what called Paul's nephew. And because Paul's nephew has become what we call the coordinates. And what the coordinate has done is interrupted this prophecy. Does that make sense? So what Paul thought that he had seen, sorry, what Apollo thought he had seen, he only saw in part. What did he see? Apollo saw Paul's being Paul being bound. And he, excuse me, he saw Paul being bound and he would have concluded Paul being killed. Because if they bind Paul in Jerusalem, they will kill him. So what did he see? He saw Paul being bound, but he didn't see Paul being killed in Jerusalem. Why? Because Jesus said to Paul, you're going to go to Rome. The reason why I'm saying that because there is a coordinate now. This young man calls Paul's nephew. Paul's nephew was what Apollos did not see. Because if Apollos had seen Paul's nephew, Apollos would have said Paul would be bound, but Apollos' nephew would give the full story. There was a prophet called Apollos who saw Paul be bound. There was another prophet that could have seen uh, 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 Paul's nephew interrupting the system. Are you following me, church? This is what he called prophetic coordinates. Let me tell you how this works. Sometimes prophetic coordinate is not because someone is telling a lie. The Lord said to King Zedekiah, or two prophets came to King Zedekiah and gave him a word. The words were contradictory, but both words were correct. Learn how prophecy works. One of the prophets said to the king that you will not see, he was the king of Judah. You will not see Babylon until you die. One other prophet says that you will enter Babylon. Hold on. Say it again. Two prophets came to the king Zedekiah and said to him, one of the prophets said to him, you will not see Babylon until you die. Another prophet said to him, you will enter Babylon as a captive. It doesn't make sense. The two words seem contradictory. Because the first prophet say that you will not see Babylon. The next prophet says you will enter Babylon. Which of the prophets were correct? The both of them. Both of the prophets were correct. The first one said that you will not see Babylon. Why? Because Zedekiah's eyes were plucked out, but he entered. So he did not see Babylon, but he entered Babylon. Now, in your in your mind, this doesn't make sense. These prophets are giving contradictory words. How come one prophet says that he will not see Babylon? The next prophet says that he will enter Babylon. They are both correct. He did not see Babylon. Why? Because his eyes were plucked out and he was sent into captive. So both of them are correct. Are you hearing church? That is how prophecy works. One prophet who says he will not see Babylon. In your mind, you might think it's I, I don't get it because these two prophets are. I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't. I don't understand. But it's not contradictory. One prophet said to the king, "You will not see Babylon." One prophet said to the king, "You will enter Babylon." Both words were correct. Both prophecies were correct. He entered Babylon, but he entered blind. So yes, he entered, but he did not see. Does that make sense? So when you look at 
prophecy it doesn't really make sense until you sit down and realize that the one who says that you will not see babylon saw that in part the one that says that you will not enter babylon saw that in part the full picture is that you will enter babylon but blind so you will enter babylon but not see babylon what am i saying that apollos had prophesied that the one who is banned will be killed but guess what there was a disruption of the prophetic process and that's the reason why paul we believe did or he did according to the will of the Lord. Let's go back to the scriptures again and see what the Bible has for us. Okay? Let's go. The Bible says in verse 22, So the commander let the young man depart and commanded him and said to the young man, Tell no one that you have revealed these things to me. It's a child. Tell no one that you have revealed this thing to me. That the Bible says, And he called for two centurions, saying, Prepare 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea. Now, Caesarea is a province, also a Roman province also. Now, very important, Caesarea is actually, uh, it's called Caesarea Matima. All right? Caesarea, if I can have it here, I don't know if I have it here on my screen. Uh, yes, I have it on my screen. Yeah. All right. So, if you can see my screen here, this part is called Caesarea. Okay, so that part is called Caesarea. See that? Caesarea, very close to Jerusalem. See that? Very close to Jerusalem. That's Caesarea. Very close to Jerusalem. So this is Caesarea, Matima, there. And this is Jerusalem down here. That's the difference, okay? Very close to Jerusalem. All right. Why is this important? Now, Jeris Caesarea is where these guys chill. It's like a chilling place, like a, a nice place where these guys chill. And then Jerusalem is where they come for holidays. So this guys these top guys this roman uh roman uh, sorry no roman this roman and um, uh, guys they they spend their life like they spend their time in caesarea and they come to jerusalem for holidays okay so the bible says and he called two of his centuries and said to them prepare da, 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 and, and and go to caesarea at the third hour of the night right and provide mounts to set paul on and bring him safely to felix the governor now felix was the governor of Caesarea okay Felix was the governor actually of Judea he was the governor of that region okay Bible says and wrote a letter saying Claudius that's his name Claudius Lysias that's his name now Claudius is the commander Felix is the governor Claudius is the commander in that province in Jerusalem but Felix is the governor of the region right the Bible says the governor of Judea Bible says uh, most excellent governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them. Coming with troops, I rescued him. Having learned that he was Roman, and when I wanted to know the reason of the, why they accused him, I brought him before their council, the Jewish council. Bible says, and I found out that he was as uh, he was accused concerning the questions of their law, the Jewish law, but I had nothing charged against him, deserving of death. So the Jews were accusing Paul, but they have no evidence against him. Bible says. And when it was told me, the Bible says that the Jews lay in wait for the man. I sent him immediately to you. Also commanded his accusers to state before you charges against him. What was Claudius doing? Claudius was trying to run from the Wahala. Claudius was trying to say, I don't want this man's blood in my head. I don't want to judge this guy because if I do anything against the Roman law, I will be penalized by death. So what was Claudius doing? He was trying to pass the issue to Felix. This is beyond a province issue is become a state affair the bible says he wrote farewell 
Look at verse 31. Then the soldiers, as they were commanded, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris, the same region. Antipatris is just going down to uh, Caesarea. The next day, they left the next day, they left the horsemen to go on with them and return to the barracks. When they came to Caesarea, and I delivered the letter to the governor, Felix, the Bible says, and they presented Paul to Felix, verse 34. And the Bible says, and when the governor had read the letter, he asked that what province he was from. And when he understood that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear you when your accusers have come. Cilicia, wow. You know, Paul was from Tarsus and Cilicia. These guys are, anyway, Bible says, I will hear you when your accusers have come. And he commanded, them, commanded him to be kept in Herod's headquarters, Praetorium, his headquarters. Now, chapter 23 has ended. How did it end? Paul was taken by the commander, was asked to be brought out from the, from the, uh, contention between the Jew, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but these guys plotted to kill Paul. And what did Paul do? What did the commander do? The commander knew that if they kill Paul under his watch, his jurisdiction, he will be penalized by death. What did he do at night? He had to move Paul from Jerusalem to Caesarea to the governor. The governor of Caesarea or governor Judah is taking the governor of Judea to that region. Why? I cannot let Paul die in my hand. And when this governor Felix has hurt Paul. He said, you know what? I'm going to wait for your accuser. So there's going to be an invitation of the Jewish believers or the Pharisees or the Sadducees or these guys that want to keep Paul to come down to Caesarea. So chapter number 24, as we look at the scripture. Now, after five days, the Bible says, Ananias, the high priest, came down with the elders and a certain man named, a certain orator, like a lawyer, named Tertullus. A Tertullus was the speaker, was like a, 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 a lawyer. So they, they, they went in and got a lawyer. Oh God. They got a lawyer against Paul. So they brought in the, the elders and, and uh, the high priest came, the elders came and they brought a, a spokesperson for them who was actually like a lawyer named Tertullus, right? That's what the Bible says. It was named Tertullus. I'm going to make this smaller. Let me see if I can make it smaller because I'm covering a lot of space. Right. Bible says, Tertullus, these gave evidence to the governor against Paul. So these Jews that come to Caesarea, they've left Jerusalem, they've come to Caesarea, just they want to kill Paul. They came with the elders, the high priest, and then they came with the orator, always by the name of um, the Tertullus. Okay, let's keep reading. The Bible says, and when he was caught upon, Tertullus began his accusation saying, saying, that through you we enjoy, now Tetlot was saying, speaking to Felix, seeing that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight. We accept it always and in all pieces, in all places, most noble Felix. With all thankfulness, nevertheless, nevertheless, if you do on Sunday, nevertheless, it carries what you call the uh, adversive conjunction. Nevertheless, like but. We, we, we thank you for all you are doing. We, we bless you for all you are doing. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words from us. For we have found this man a plague. They called Paul a plague, a pest. We found this man a plague, a creation, a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world. 
and a ringleader of the sect called Nazarenes. Okay, let's break this down. A ringleader of the sect called Nazarenes. Okay, let's break these down. All right, let's go. They say that Paul was a pest. Number one, it was a pest. It was a descent, a creator of dissension and a ringleader of the sect called the Nazarenes. Okay, let's deal with this word called the Nazarenes. A Nazarene is not a Nazarite. A lot of us make a mistake. A Nazarene is not a Nazarite. I'll tell you the reason why this guy called him a Nazarene. Okay, I'm going to explain something to you in a moment. I'll write this down in a moment. A Nazarite is a place. Jesus of Nazareth. Now, the word Nazarite, sorry, Nazarite is not Nazareth. A Na Nazarite is a place. But when Nazareth is used in the Bible, it connotes the least of all places. That's what the Bible says. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth is not Nazareth. Nazareth is a disdained place, a forgotten place. It's a place that has no class, no worth, no nothing. It speaks of humiliation. Does that make sense? And when the Bible says that, when it says Paul was a ringleader of these classless people, that's what it means. A Nazareth, a Naz Nazareth is not a Nazareth. It, Nazareth is a place. And Nazareth in this context is a classless, low-life place, low-level place. However, a Nazarite is someone who has taken a vow. A Nazarite is someone, Yemi Church, who has taken a vow to be separated. Nazarite is one who is consecrated. So a Nazarite, a Nazarite, write down. A Nazarite and a Nazareth. Okay, write this down. Nazareth. N-A-Z-A-R-E-T-H. Nazareth is a place. But it's actually a low-class place. Has no class, has nothing. A low-life place. But Nazarite, N-A-Z-R-I-T. Nazarite means separated. Separated. And to look at look at the book of Numbers, chapter number six. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Number six. Let's look at number six. If I can look at my scripture to you guys quickly, you might see that. Numbers, chapter number six. If you can see my scripture, I'll read it out for you right now. Numbers, chapter number six, will speak of the Nazarite vow. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, said, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take a vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord. A Nazarite is someone who is separate, who has consecrated himself to the Lord. And the reason why, you know, I say this because a lot of people make a mistake and say, uh, Oscar, you're, I'm, I'm not from Nazareth. For me, I'm not a Jew, but this is a vow I took. So a Nazarite is someone who has taken a vow. One is called Nazar, Nazareth. A Nazirite. Alright, just to let you know. One is consecration and one is a state, one is a place. Okay? So when the Bible says that, when the Bible calls Paul a sect of the Nazarenes, it's not saying that he was a Nazarite by consecration. It was calling him a low class. That Paul is the lowest class of all Jewish people. <laughs> Does that make sense? So that's the difference. And I wanted to bring a correction to you guys because see a lot of people say, oh, a Nazarite is from, a Nazarite is from Nazareth. No, a Nazareth is, Nazareth is a place. 
a Nazarite is a person, it's a consecration. So what we call consecration is called a Nazarite vow. Like Samson, don't drink wine, don't don't let Rizal come to your head, and don't eat, uh, come, don't come close to dead animals. Those are the three conditions to Nazareth, being a Nazarite. Don't drink wine, don't put Rizal on your head, don't cut your locks, and don't 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 um, come close to things uh, to dead animals. Okay, that's what I wanted to let you know. All right, so let's keep going, church, quickly. I need to finish this quickly. All right, let's go. The Bible says for it's uh, it's of the second. So basically, this guy called Tetulus is trying to run down Paul. It's a pest. The Bible says that it's actually a plague. It's the creator of dissension and also a low-class Nazarene. The Bible says that he even tried to profane the temple. Remember the last time Trophimus? Bible says Trophimus right the the temple and we seized him and wanted to wanted him to be judged according to our law. But the commander Lysias or commander Claudius came by and with great violence took him out of our hands because claudius did not want paul to die in the hands of the jews under his watch the bible says commanding his accusers to come to you by examining him yourself you may ascertain all these things which we accuse him and the jews also assented maintaining these things we are so so these jewish guys and their orator their lawyer had come before felix and had come to accuse Paul before Felix. Paul was actually a plague. He was the creator of dissension. And he was a low-class Nazarene. Has no level. No class at all. And this guy, this orator is saying, we wanted to judge Paul according to our custom. Unfortunately, Lysias or Claudius seized him violently from our hand and brought him to you in Caesarea. We really want to judge this guy according to our law. But the problem is that you cannot judge this guy according to the law of the Jews if he's also a Roman. It's a problem. Paul's citizenship is giving him a privilege. Remember the Bible said, and remember this, when Paul had his um, prophetic mandate, the Bible said it shall be, it shall witness the name of the Lord among Gentiles, among the Jews, and among kings. This is Paul standing before great men now, the kings. In verse number 10, the Bible said, then Paul, after the governor had nodded for him to speak, answered, inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge, Many years a judge of this nation. So it was the governor of the nation. The Bible says, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. Because you may ascertain that it is no more than 12 days since I came, so I went to Jerusalem. Alright, so Paul was in Jerusalem 12 days ago to worship. He had come in from Trous, had come in through those Asian minor regions, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was in Caesarea for a while, spent time with the believers in Caesarea, and I come to Jerusalem to worship, and he even purified himself and took a vow with the guys. Bible says, because of Bible says, uh, you may ascertain that it's number than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And if neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone or inciting the crowd, either in the synagogue or in the city, nor can they prove the things which they now accuse me. These guys could not even prove what they're accusing Paul of. Verse 14. But this I confess to you, that according to the way, and I call this is, this is Christianity, by the way, according to the way, Christians we are called the way, people of the way, according to the way which they call a sect. So basically, Paul was saying that remember they called Paul a Nazarene. See it here, a Nazarene. So basically, they are saying that. The way equal to Nazarene. So the word Nazarene is used as a figure of speech to mean low class. Meaning therefore that the way is low class. 
Are you hearing me? So when someone called you a Nazarene back in the day, it means you have no worth. So when Paul said that they called Christianity a sect, he's saying they called Christianity low class. More water. Are you following me? That was the purpose. So the Bible says, right. I confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect. So this thing called a sect is called heresis. Okay, in the Greek. Don't worry about that. Basically, the way equal to low class. So they say Christianity is low class. Christianity is low class of Judaism. That's what they're trying to say. That this thing people call Christian are a sect of Judaism, but they are low class, inferior. That's what they called him, a leader, the ring leader of this low class. So we realize now what's going on in, in, this, in this verse, in, in chapter 24, the Bible says, Paul is saying to these guys that, I believe in what they believe in. I believe in their God. I believe in God is one. I believe in Shema. I don't know. God is one. But, I'm being convicted because I preach the resurrection of the just and the unjust, of which the Pharisees believe also. So Paul is saying that these guys want to kill me because I believe in the resurrection of the just and the unjust. And that's what Paul is saying. So if you look at the scripture again, let's go back to the word of the Lord, right? Let's go back again. So Paul says, he says in verse 15, it says, I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, of both the just, so we know that there will be resurrection of the dead and the, on the, on the dead of the just and the unjust, okay? The just and the unjust will be resurrected, but they will be resurrected at different times, okay? Bible says, being, this being so, I, the, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and men. In verse 17, the Bible says, are you there? The Bible says, now after many years, I came to bring arms, the Bible says, and offerings to my nation. Paul is saying, I've gone for years. I've left Jerusalem for years. I've been doing nation for years. I've gone to Asia. I've gone to Europe. I've gone to Asia Minor. I've come down to Jerusalem. The Bible says, for years. Uh, one moment. The Bible says, for years, I came to bring arms and offerings to my nation. In the midst of which some Jews from Asia, now Paul is going to say, this is where there was a problem. Some Jews from Asia, remember Asia, Ephesus. When you hear Asia, yeah, it means Ephesus, most likely, yeah, or the common place. So Ephesus, Asia is the common name for everything, but the context is Ephesus. Found me purified in the temple, neither with a mob nor with tumult. They ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me. Now, Paul is saying, I went to Jerusalem after many years to bring offering to the church of Jerusalem. And these guys who saw me at Asia, these guys who, this, you know, remember the silversmith, Demetrius, the silversmith, whom Paul closed his business, who was actually selling a, a temple for the goddess Aphrodite, right? Bible says, these guys saw me at the temple and they have nothing against me. They would have been here. Bible says in verse 20, or else, let those who are here themselves say, if they found any wrongdoing in me. While I stood before the council, unless it is for this one statement. What statement? Resurrection. This is the one statement that we need to realize was Paul's statement or the book of Acts. Paul's message in Acts is about the resurrection. If you ever get asked, what is the theme of the book of Acts? It is not act of the Holy Spirit. It is not act of the apostles. It is the act of Jesus. All right. But again, the central message 
is the resurrection. That's why Paul would always teach on the resurrection from scripture. The resurrection, that's the central thing. Unless for this what, if they want to kill me for resurrection, let it kill me. But they believe in resurrection too. Bible says, unless it is for this one still which I cried out, standing among them concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this way. The Paul is saying, I have done nothing wrong. I've gone to the temple. I didn't defy the temple. I've gone to the temple. I've done my ritual. I've done my cleansing. I've paid for the ritual. I've done everything. The only thing that you want to kill me for right now is resurrection. Prove to me what else I've done. Because trust me, Paul did nothing. All Paul did was preach the resurrection of Jesus. Hold on, I don't get it. If the Pharisees believe in resurrection, why they don't believe in resurrection of Jesus? That's a, Paul is saying, why do you not believe in resurrection? So the truth is that they're not just fighting Paul's resurrection. They are fighting Paul's cessation of the law. Now Paul is saying the law is ended or has ended. That's the problem. And the Bible says, if you look at verse number 22, but Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge. The Bible says, but Felix, when he heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, and this is very important, Paul's trial before Felix, Paul's trial before the commander, Paul's trial before... Um, Paul's presence before Felix, Paul's presence before the commander, Paul's presence before uh, the, the centurion. Listen, whenever Paul faced them, he always made them understand the way. So while Paul is coughed, while Paul is held in prison, they realize that they knew the way through Paul. The Bible says, but Felix, when you he heard of these things, having a more accurate knowledge of the way. So, so Felix, the governor, know more about Christianity now. But he knew more about Christianity when Paul was bound. That's one of the prophecies that was given to Paul by Ananias in chapter number 9. Are you hearing me? In chapter number 9, when Ananias came to Paul and said to Paul that this man will be my witness before the Gentiles, before the Jews, and before kings. So even though Paul was bound, he was being, he was being a witness to, to, to these guys. The Bible says, when he had a more accurate knowledge, he adjourned the proceedings and said, when this guy, the commander, Lysias, Claudius Lysias, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will make a decision for your case. So I cannot judge Paul if you have nothing against him. Verse 23, so he commanded the centurion to keep Paul, but so they said, keep Paul and let him have liberty. And let him have liberty. Right? And told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for him or visit him. So Felix said, to, but Felix is the bad guy. Philip liked bribe, by the way. I'm going to let you know that. He was a bad guy. So Philip was trying to protect Paul as a citizen and say to Paul, and say to the, the, centurion, the centurions, if anyone come down to see Paul, don't keep them, make them see Paul. Okay? So Paul had access to visitors whilst he was here. The Bible says in verse 24, and after some days, when Felix came with his wife called Drusilla, this is his wife, Drusilla, when Philip came with his wife, Drusilla, this is third wife, by the way, the Bible says, uh, Drusilla, rather, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. So this guy, Felix, has heard Paul. He's heard more about the way. He's had accurate knowledge of the way. He's also told his wife, listen, come, let's come here. Let's hear about this new, this new faith, the, the way. The Bible says in verse 25, now has it reasoned about righteousness, self-control, self and judgment. Hold on. Righteousness, past, self-control, present, judgment, future. Anyway, Bible says, as it reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. 
Phoenix was afraid. That word afraid is traumatized. He had terror. So when, when Felix and his wife Drusilla stood before Paul, Paul was telling them about the gospel. But Paul spoke about righteousness. Paul spoke about self-control and spoke about the judgment to come. The Bible says when Felix heard it, he was afraid and answered. He was scared and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given to him by Paul. So this guy was looking for a bribe. He was looking for a bribe that he might release him. So basically, Felix would have released Paul if Paul had bribed him. Wow. Felix would have released Paul if Paul had bribed him. But if Paul had bribed, if Paul had bribed Felix, then the mission that, that needs to be accomplished around his time of, you know, uh, in custody wouldn't have been be met. The Bible says, Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. So, Philip started building a relationship with Paul just so that he would bribe, Paul would bribe him. See what the Bible says. Now, this part is very important. Look at verse number 22 and 23. Let's read together. Bible says, But when Philip heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, When Leasas, the commander comes, I will make a decision for your case. Look at verse number 3, very important. Verse number 23, very important. Catch this. What it says? So the commander, so he commanded the centurion to keep Paul, catch this, to keep Paul and let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide or visit him. Why did Felix allow for Paul to have visitors who will provide? Because that's the only way he would get bribed. So in a sense, what Felix was doing was saying that Paul can have his family and friends come visit him and when they give Paul money, Paul will have money to bribe. So the reason why Paul was saying, sorry, the reason why Felix was saying that Paul should have access towards hospitality and liberty was not because he cared about Paul. was because he knew that when Paul had visitors, they would give him money and then he would bribe, what? Bribe Felix. So the purpose of hospitality, the purpose of Felix's hospitality is not because he cared about Paul, but because he wanted Paul to have visitors that would give him money and that money would be used to bribe him. Are you here in church? So when you look at the scripture, the Bible says, you know, meanwhile, so what it says in verse number 25, now, now as a reason about righteousness, he was afraid. Say, go now, when I have come time, I'll call you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul, that he might release him. Does that make sense? So you realize that he wasn't nice, because he wasn't nice to, he wasn't, his hospitality was not about his niceness, his hospitality was an access. And also in our life, we must realize that there are people in the church that are nice to us, not because they like us, but because they want to control the narrative. They want to control, so there are people that will plant seed in your life because they want to control your harvest. Not all niceness are good niceness. So niceness is just to put their name on the scroll and say, I'm part of your destiny. In a nutshell, this guy by the name of Felix has said to Paul, even though you are bound, you have free access to prisoners. But guess what? He wasn't doing it to Paul because he loved Paul. He was doing it to Paul because he wants his money in his pockets. Some niceness are selfish. Some people are nice to you because they are selfish. I'm telling the truth. Some people are nice to you because they know who you are. They're nice to you because they know what you can give. So their relationship is not legit. Their relationship is not symbiotic, it's parasitic. 
What's the symbiotic relationship? Where you and I, we come together, we are symbiotic. We, we, what, you, what I get is what you get. But the parasitic relationships that I'm in your life just to be, become a parasite. Okay? So know the difference. That this guy, by the name of Felix, was not saying to, to the centurion to let Felix in because he loved, let people in because he loved Paul. No, because he wanted a bribe. Okay? Because he wanted a bribe. Quickly. Because he wanted a bribe. Now that you know that the Bible says, right, in verse 27, we're almost done. Two, two, two chapters already. But after two years, purchase Festus. So Festus is going to succeed Felix. Purchase Festus, succeeded Felix. And Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Okay? So because Paul did not bribe him, he left Paul bound. But guess what the Bible says? After two years, after two years of conversing with Paul, after two years of letting visitors in and no bribe, he was frustrated, so he let Paul bound. So he didn't judge Paul right. He left him bound. Are you following? So he said, I want to release you because you didn't give me money. You're going to be bound. So the Bible says that after two years, Portius Festus. So we have Felix. Now we have Festus. Festus became the new governor of Judea who succeeded Felix. Okay? So the next chapter... We'll be dealing with Felix, chapter number 25. And that's the last one. Three chapters for today. We're almost done. Okay. Let's keep reading. In verse, chapter number 25, verse number 1. Now, when Felix had come to the province. Remember, Caesarea was the province. Had come to the province. After three days, it went up from Caesarea, where Paul was, to Jerusalem. All right? Like I said to you before, Jerusalem was the place for holiday. They mostly lived in Judea. They come down for holidays in Jerusalem. The Bible says... Uh, verse number two. Then the high priest. These guys are these guys are patient, man. They've been waiting for Paul to be killed, and Ananias, man, still waiting. Then the high priest and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul. So even with the new governor, these guys they want to chill. Bible says, and they petitioned him, asking, "Remember, these Jewish guys got frustrated with Felix because Felix would not surrender Paul." Now they petitioned Paul. Asking favor against him, that he would summon him to Jerusalem. So what they did not get from Felix, they want to get from Festus. The Bible says, why they lay ambush along the road to kill him. So these guys are still waiting to kill Paul after two years, after an exchange of governorship. They were still waiting to kill Paul. Wow. And the Bible says, verse number four, but Festus answered that Paul should be kept in Caesarea. And that he himself will be going there shortly. So Paul said, uh, 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 Festus said, Paul should be kept in Caesarea, while he himself will be going there shortly. Therefore he said, let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man to see if there's any fault in him. You hear me? So Festus had come to Jerusalem for holiday, right? And when he came to Jerusalem, the elders and the, everybody was saying, remember in chapter 24, they brought the orator Tetelus. Everyone said, Felix did an amazing job, but Felix was actually a weakling. Felix could not surrender Paul. So when this guy, Festus, came to Jerusalem, the Bible says, the elders met him and said to him, there was a guy in your custody who is under the law of the Jews, who has to be penalized. And the Bible said that Felix did not do nothing, so Festus, please do something. But what did Festus say? Festus said that I cannot release him from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Why? Because it's a punishable sentence. I cannot do that. But what you guys can do, when I'm going back to Caesarea, you can select from among you some men that will come with me to judge him. That's what he says. 
That's number five. Therefore, it said, let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man to see if there's any fault in him. So it's inviting them now to come accuse the man. <laughs> They're not eating, you know. They are, they are trying to kill this guy. In verse number six, and when he had remained among them more than 10 days, so it is 10 days, he went down to Caesarea. This is actually um, uh, Festus. He's been there for, for 10 days that he went to Caesarea. And the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, he commanded Paul to be brought. And when he had come, the Jews who heard, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and, about and laid many serious complaints against Paul after years. They want to kill this guy. You know the reason why they want to kill this guy? I'll tell you the reason why. These guys, these Jewish guys, we are so frustrated because of Paul's fruits. Paul has so much Christianized the world that even though Paul was bound in prison, there were still results there. People are getting saved. They are getting, they're becoming believers. They're, they're proselyting. Sorry, the, the Jews are becoming Christians. And so you have, they, were, they were angry at Paul because the seed that you have planted, Paul, is sprouting and then people are getting saved. Now, if Paul's message of salvation ended with Paul in prison and there was no spread of the gospel, they won't have time for Paul. They will just forget Paul. After all, the, the faith is dead. The problem is that they call Christianity a Nazarene sect. But the Nazarene sect is winning souls. So the reason why these guys for two years are still trying to kill Paul is because Paul's message that brought in salvation, the, the message of the gospel, is yielding fruits. So the reason why these guys are like that, because of fruits. Your fruit is your result. So they are frustrated with Paul because Paul's fruit is Paul's result. Maybe if we kill Paul, then the, 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 the faith will stop. Their leader will stop. Oh, this guy caught Paul. Once we kill him, it will stop. Have you seen some movies, maybe like some horror movies, those back, if you used to watch horror movies back in the day, some movies that, you know, uh, until you kill the queen, all the vampires are still alive. <laughs> you know when you watch a vampire movie, the vampires are spreading and spreading and spreading. But once you can get hold of the king or the queen, once you kill the king or the queen, Guess what happens? All the vampire dies. That's what's happening with Paul. Paul to them was a vampire. Once we can kill Paul, this whole thing will end. So the reason why these guys were frustrated, they are saying, Paul is alive. If we kill Paul, Christianity will cease. Because they thought that Paul was actually the voice of Christianity. Christ is. Christ is. So the reason why these guys are doing everything to kill Paul, if we kill Paul, we discourage the spread. That's the reason why. So if we can kill the queen or the king, we'll kill the subjects. Does that make sense? That's what I'm trying to do. Bible says, verse number seven. Verse number seven, I'm reading here now. While he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which, he couldn't, which, which they could not remember, they could not prove. Because remember, Paul had told them, if you have any accusation against me, prove it. Apart from preaching res resurrection. The Bible says, which they could not prove. While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against this temple, nor against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. But Festus, but Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor. Second, guys. 
But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? Because he wanted to do the Jews a favor. So he said, Would you want to go with me to Jerusalem to be judged? That would be a breach of their statement as a free state because you cannot send a Roman citizen to a Jewish nation to be judged. Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. If anyone wants to judge me, don't judge my Jewish part, my Jewish side or my Jewish identity. Judge my Roman identity. The Bible says, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews, I've done no wrong, as you well know. For if I'm an offender or have off committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying. So Paul is not afraid to die. But if there is nothing in these things which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. So Paul says, let's go to Caesar, the highest level. Now Caesar is not what he thinks. Caesar is actually not a governor. Caesar is a king. So it's gone enough from centurion to commander, from commander to uh, a governor, um, from governor to a uh, uh, king. The police saying, I appeal to Caesar. All right? The highest of them is emperor, by the way. So we have emperor, the king. Bible says in verse number 12, Paul says, I need, to, uh, if anything at all, I'd rather go to the um, Roman court. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, You've happy to the Caesar? To Caesar you shall go. So Paul says, I will not die in the hands of these Jewish guys. I'd rather be judged before Caesar. Look at verse number 13. And after some days, King Agrippa, I say king, okay, King Agrippa and Benice came to Caesarea. Now, this is the king, is higher than Festus. He came to Caesarea to greet Festus, who was the governor. When they had been there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a certain man left a prisoner by Felix, about whom the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me when I was in Jerusalem, asking for a judgment against him. To whom I answered, It is not the custom of Romans to deliver a man to the destruction of the accused before the accused meets his accuser face to face and has the opportunity to answer for himself concerning the charges against him. So Felix is saying it's against the Roman law. Right? He has to be a face to face. In verse 17, we are here. We are almost there. In verses number 17. <laughs> Therefore, when they had come together, Without any delay, the next day, I sat at the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought in when the accusers stood up. By the way, Agrippa and Benice are brothers and sisters. There is incest this relationship here. They are brothers and sisters. This lady, Benice here, she's not to joke with. All right. So Agrippa is marrying, or yes, marrying his sister. All right. So let you know, Agrippa and Benice are brothers and sisters, okay? Just a bit of history. Not necessary, just a bit of history in case you want to find out, okay? Let's keep going. I know you don't want to hear that part, but it's what it is. 
All right, so the Bible says in verse number 19, or verse number 20, 19 actually. But I had some questions, the Bible says, against him about their own religion and by setting Jesus, who had died, when Paul affirmed to be alive. Jesus is alive. That's what Paul, Paul says. So Paul said to, remember when Paul and uh, uh, Festus had conversations, Phyllis had conversations. When Phyllis came before Paul, or Paul came before Phyllis, he said to Phyllis that Jesus was dead and now alive. This is the resurrection again. And because I was uncertain of such questions, I asked whether he was willing to go to Jerusalem and dare be judged or considering these matters. But when Paul appealed to be reserved for the decisions of Augustus, Caesar Augustus, by the way, writes, which is actually Emperor Caesar Augustus. I commanded him to be I command I, I commanded him to be kept till I could send him to Caesar. So Paul says, I want to be judged before Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would also like to hear the man myself. Why is this important? Why is it that Felix heard from him? Festus heard from him. And now, Agrippa wants to hear from him. Let's look at chapter number 9 of the book of um, Act 9, okay? Let's go to Act 9. I want to show you the prophecy. Act 9. When Paul was saved, and Ananias came to him. When Paul was saved, Act chapter number 9. Okay. Oh. Look at verse number 13. When Ananias came to Paul, when Paul was converted, the Bible says, Then Ananias and the Lord I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints, which is the church in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on him. So Paul is being bound because Paul was also binding. Okay? Call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles. When did Paul basically before Gentiles? When he went to the Gentile nations, Asia, Europe, and Asia Minor. Before kings. So if God had prophesied that Paul would bear his name before kings, then Paul would bear his name before kings. So Paul has to go to Rome. That's why Paul cannot die in Jerusalem. Because the prophecy that came to Paul when he was converted, that he would bear his name before kings. The king was not in Jerusalem. The king was in Rome. That's what the Bible says we read before in the previous chapter, that Paul would have to go to Rome. You hear me? And Paul also and to the children of Israel. And Paul also wrote to the children of Israel. So that's the funny thing. So the prophecy says that Paul would bear his name before kings. So when these guys are trying to kill Paul, you hear me, church? In Jerusalem, that would defeat the purpose of prophecy because Paul was meant to stand before kings. He stood before emperors. He stood before, stand, going to stand before emperor. He stood before a governor. He's going to stand before a, a, a king. <laughs> he stood before everybody. So this tells me, therefore, that as long as God has spoken an unconditional prophecy, it must come to pass. So Apollos did not get the full prophecy. He got his part. Because Paul will go to Rome. That's what Jesus says. Alright, so if you go back again to chapter number 25. The Bible says, Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear his name, hear the man for myself. So Agrippa, who is a king, wants to hear from Paul. My God. So Paul will not only hear from, Paul will not only go to the king level, he's also going to go to the emperor level. <laughs> you be Paul? So even, in, even, even when bound, Paul was bringing the gospel bound. 
He was bringing the message of the gospel while he was still bound. What is holding you from preaching? What is the thing binding you? You feel you can't preach because you are bound by finances? Come on, you're not poor. Let's read. Paul did, even, did well. Bible says, tomorrow you shall hear him. Verse number 23. We're almost there. Oh, we're almost there. We're almost three chapters in less than two hours. <laughs> so the next day, when Agrippa and Benice had come with great pomp, this word pomp here is, uh, is what you call showmanship. She's dressed well, regalia. She's pumped with amazing costume, like a beauty pageantry or something like that. She was pumped. The Bible says they've come with great pomp. They wore their regalia. They've dressed very well. And had entered the auditorium. Remember, Paul was kept in Herod's praetorium. Right? They've entered the auditorium. Right? The Bible says, with the commanders and the prominent men of the city, at Festus's command, Paul was brought in. So it was a big occasion. Paul was brought in before Felix, not just Felix, before Festus, not just Festus, before uh, the great men, before kings, which were prominent men of the city. Do you understand what this guy Paul is like? Paul was bound, but was still reaching out. Paul was bound. <sighs> Paul was bound, but was still preaching the gospel. If Paul had more audience <laughs> than even the, the, the Jewish guys, bound. These Jews are angry. Why? Because Paul was still winning souls, bound. Paul was converting centurions, bound. Paul was, command, was converting commanders, bound. Even when Paul was bound, Paul was still missional. Paul is an amazing mind. One of the most amazing minds that has worked. Actually, I had to order this book from N.T. Wright. Let me show you guys. I'm trying to I'm trying to not just study Paul, but study the culture around Paul. All right? This is the book. It's called Paul Autobiography. It's quite a lot of volume. Came in yesterday. Reading Paul. This is an amazing mind. Reading his life. His, yeah. So if you want this book, you can get it. It's called Paul Autobiography, right? So um Enter Right is one of the New Testament Greek scholars. Uh, here in the United Kingdom, you know, uh, lecturer in Durham and also St. Andrews as a fellow, senior fellow with St. Andrews. It's a professor emeritus. So it's an amazing, great mind. So if you want to, there were a lot of books on Paul, but he's done an amazing job also. It's called Paul or uh, Biography. Okay. Let's keep reading. If you're asking for the book, it's called Paul or uh, Biography. All right. We are still going there. All right. Alright, so Paul was still winning souls, even though Paul was bound. Alright, let's go. We're going to finish soon. The Bible says, in verse 24, verse 24 here, And Festus said, And Festus said, King Agrippa and all men who are here present with us, You see this man about whom the whole assembly of the Jews petitioned me, both at Jerusalem and here, crying out, that he was not fit to live any longer. But when I found that he was he had committed nothing deserving of death, and that he himself had appealed to Augustus Caesar, Augustus here, I decided to send him. I have nothing certain to write to my Lord. That's a problem. You cannot send a man to Herod without 
writing what he's accused of. You that say, if you send, if you put a man on trial before, not Herod, if you put a man on trial before Caesar, without what he has committed, you will be put to death. So no man sends anyone to Caesar or to the Roman authorities without what they've committed. Now Paul had said, send me to Rome. That's a problem. Nobody qualifies to send Paul to Rome without accusing him of something. So the Bible says, I have nothing to write to my Lord, who is Caesar, Augustus Caesar, so Augustus, concerning him. Now there's a problem. Felix is frustrated. Agrippa is frustrated. Why? Because Paul has asked that he goes to Rome. But you cannot send Paul to Rome without listing his offense. So these guys are in a dilemma. You cannot send Paul to Rome without listing Paul's offense. If you send Paul to Rome to be judged under the Caesar, you have to tell us what he's done. But there is nothing that he's done. You cannot send him to Rome. You cannot send him to Rome. You cannot send him to, you cannot send him to, to Jerusalem because it's appealed. <laughs> uh, that's a problem. The Bible says, I have nothing to assert the right about him. Therefore, I have brought him out before you, Agrippa, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after the examination has taken place, I may have something to write. <laughs> Are you hearing church? I may have something to write. One second. I may have something to write. One second. Quickly. One moment. I'm, I'm speaking to Aaron. It's being class. No, no writing. Anyway, Bible says, I brought you King Agrippa because I've carried, I've, I've, I've inherited Wahala from Felix. Festus was frustrated. Festus was saying, I've inherited Wahala from Felix. This guy wants to be judged before Augustus. I don't have anything against him. The Bible says in verse so that after the examination, I may have something to write. In verse 27, For it seems to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not specify the charges. It seemed unreasonable to send a prisoner and not satisfy the, the charges. And not specify rather the charges. Alright, it's in the sense anti-proven guilty. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know what we've just done now? We've just done chapters number 23, 24. Actually, we've done chapter number 22, middle of 22, 23, 24, 25, under two hours. One hour and a half. Wow. <laughs> so we did like three and a half chapters. One hour and a half. My God. So ladies and gentlemen, Paul will be sent to Rome. How do we end the book of Acts? On Thursday, by the grace of God. We most likely will finish the book of Acts as we look at chapters number 26, 27, and 28. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, has this blessed you so far? Has this blessed you so far? Act is doing well, right? I'm enjoying Act. So, just remember the story from chapter number one the marching order, right? To chapter to Paul, Philip, and sorry, Peter, Philip, and then Paul. 
and how Paul was Christianizing the nations of the world. Do you remember something? We haven't heard of Peter again. We haven't heard of Peter again. He realized that Peter would retire in a place called Babylon. Not Rome, Babylon. You see that much later in the Petrine Epistle. All right. It has been good. Thank you. We are plowing through. We just have three more chapters and I'm going to like, God, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. But yes, it has been amazing. On Sunday, we are having our BAM Sunday. Bring a man Sunday. I will be praying with the men on Sunday. So bring a man Sunday. If you have a brother, bring him an uncle. Bring him a father. Bring him. Bring your granddad. Uh, bring a man on Sunday. It's going to be an amazing time. But guys, well, guys, we have been studying Acts from chapter number one. I believe that this is one of the most comprehensive exegetical exposition on Acts. You may hardly find the level of time we've given to Acts from chapter. I don't know where you can find that. So guys, if you ever wanted to study Acts again, you can always check on our website. Sorry, I think our YouTube and our Facebook, the book of Acts. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, I leave you tonight and I say, I have done three chapters and a half under two hours. Until then, God bless you. Peace and I'll see you and bye for now.